Now, one of these people was a taker. You know, all the stuff that he had, the power, fame, money, everything. He got it by taking it. On the other hand, everything that Mother Teresa did was about giving. So as my dear mother used to say, the takers of the world in the sense of, you know, grabbing from other people, the takers of the world are miserable, the givers are happy. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Mitzi, the stories about your father have been so phenomenal and are, and are so important, especially in today's times. He built an incredibly successful business during a really, at the time, unparalleled era of financial upheaval and uncertainty in this country. And here we are several months into this coronavirus epidemic. And you wrote a book with friend of the show, Mark Victor Hansen, who's coming on again to talk about his other book very shortly. This book is called How to Be Up in Down Times. When did you guys get together and, and decide to write that book? Well, we decided, I, I was kind of aware earlier than a lot of my friends about that the pandemic was coming because I visit, or in the past, I visit China every year. And there, there's a family there that I'm close to. And I began learning that something just horrendous was happening. And they were telling me a little bit about the efforts that China was doing to, to prevent the spread. I mean, just locking down whole cities. And I thought, I bet that's coming here. I suggested to Mark Victor Hansen, who's a social friend, he and his wife, I suggested that since I have 40 years as a health writer and a science writer, I know a lot about things that can help people. You are one of the most inspirational people on the planet with half a billion books sold. What if together we wrote a book? It would be designed to help people get through the downtimes of COVID-19. And what would be really special about it would be, it would be 40 tips. And that's sort of like, it's almost biblical, 40 days. It would be 40 tips that would be, each would be two pages long. And the idea is it wasn't going to be a great big tome. It would be something that would be uplifting to people, but it would also be scientifically accurate. Things that would really help them. Things that are not generally known. Mark loved the idea. And we wrote it in about three weeks. Well, actually, I'll, I'll, a little inside thing about Amazon. It should have been in print maybe in four or five days. I think it took like 10 days because Amazon doesn't like, is unwilling to give any advice that doesn't come from the CDC or the WHO. Mm. And our advice, by the way, is, is it's not telling you what medications to take or anything. It was, it, to my mind, it has nothing to do with what a doctor would tell you. And I'll, I'll explain some of the things that we do tell in a moment. Please, please. But in order to get it past the 
uh, the censors at Amazon, we simply had to take out every reference to COVID-19. And that meant, well, it's easy to do. You do a a hunt and replace. And so we put plague. (laughs) (laughs) Plague. Or pandemic. Oh, they didn't like the word pandemic either. So... Uh, if, if when you read this, if you see the word plague, that's why it's there. That is so interesting, and I didn't realize that Amazon, when you self-publish, has uh, somebody scrutinize the book to see if that's something that they that they want to share, which is really interesting. I'm ready to bet that nobody actually read it. Uh, I, I bet a lot of money on that. I bet they just have these screen readers, artificial intelligence, and if they see COVID nineteen or they see pandemic out. Because the rest of the book's totally the same, except you'll see a lot of the word plague here and there. That's really interesting. Uh, but, but something that, again, something that almost nobody knows but me, uh, and I'm going to show it to you. It has to do with the book, How to Be Up. And this is something about Mark Victor Hudson, and I invite you to tease him about it when he's on. One day, uh, he told me, Mitzi, you're good with Photoshop. I want you to write across the top of the book, How to Be Up and Down Times, more than a million copies sold. And I said, but Mark, I don't want to do false advertising. He said, mm, that's, not what I'm, that's not what this is about. I want you to visualize more than a million copies sold. And, uh, and this is what I wrote. Let's see if I can... Yeah, more than a million copies sold. Yeah, I see yeah. it. Okay, I mean, I wrote, this, this is paper. Right. He said, Here's what I want you to do. Once you've made this mock-up, make five copies of it and put it, uh, let's see, in your bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, office, stairwell, and that's where they are. And he said, the reason why is visualize success and you know, just see what happens when you visualize success. Well, within a couple of days, I got I got an email from somebody I've never heard of in Taiwan who somehow had gotten the book. And she said, I've just ordered 200 copies to give to all my friends. And I'd like to, the reason I'm writing to you now is I wonder if I order a thousand copies to use in the stores that I have, if Amazon would give me a discount. And I'm wondering, is that just totally coincidence? But then there are other things. And this again is uh, recommendations to everybody follow the wisdom of Mark Victor Hansen because here's what happened to me once I began visualizing it. I'd, you know, I'd always thought of it in terms of selling maybe 5,000 books, but if you're thinking of selling a million, it changes your attitude towards everything. So, yes. so every, every day when I walk up the stairs to my office or when I'm in my office, I'm thinking of ways to get to that million. And it's, it's just, um, okay, I have a guess that your subconscious mind is just churning away, thinking of smart, clever ways. And, you know, among the things that have happened, I have a possibility of having a podcast myself, but it will be global. And there's, there's uh, actually, I don't want to talk too much about it uh, because it's not signed, sealed, and delivered, but there's a global organization that says they want somebody with my skills. I was in television for eight years and and my interests, and I may be able to be promoting the kinds of things in this uh, once a week globally. Yes. It wouldn't have crossed my mind to try for that. But if that one fails, 
there's another one in Texas that's discussing with me that I might do a podcast for them that would be global. And, you know, the point of all of this is just by thinking bigger, I follow leads that get me into extraordinary situations that wouldn't happen if I wasn't visualizing selling million books. It's it's so interesting and timely. Uh, and I just want to say for, for those of you that haven't checked out my interview with Mark Victor Hansen, it was so incredible. Episodes 168 and 169, he is just unbelievably wise, kind, and what the world needs right now. Uh, but it, to, to throw a little neuroscience into what you're talking about, there's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system. And so if you are driving down the car, or dri- if you purchase a car, and let's say it's a white Honda Accord, and Mitzi's cruising down the interstate in her white Honda Accord, all of a sudden you're going to be more mindful. You're noticing, oh, there's an Accord, there's an Accord. It isn't that all of a the sudden there are more Accords on the road, but your consciousness is focused on those things. And so when we have an objective or a goal that's in our mind, what happens is when we put so much focus and energy into it, we start identifying things in our environment that will help us get closer to that goal. So uh, really cool and fun to talk about. No doubt you're going to sell a million copies of this book because it's so important. No doubt you are going to have a global podcast because the wisdom that you have to share is so important. So I can't wait to see those things develop for sure. But Dr. Richard, that's one of the most exciting concepts I've come across in years. That what, what you were just saying about the Honda Accord jumps out at you if you're if that's where your mind is. Because I mean, I didn't I didn't have until just now and you explained it to me, I would have difficulty articulating or explaining why all these wonderful opportunities that are there, and I wouldn't have noticed them otherwise. It's awesome. That is correct. It is a, uh, it's a fun structure in our brain, or series of structures, I should say. And it is, uh, it, it, and there's also other science that, that's, I mean, there's so many different pieces of research around this, but simply when our focus is on our mission, when our focus is on helping others, when our focus is on what we are supposed to be doing, there are so many other benefits to that physiological, our health is better, we're happier. There's hormones that are released that you know are are succinctly associated with higher and better states of being. Whereas when we're doing these things that don't fulfill us, don't give us joy, don't align with purpose, don't align with altruism, we find that we have increased levels of cortisol, our immune system is compromised, greater depression and anxiety. So what we're talking about is really important for our health more than ever because of what's going on in the world. So by the way, you're you're delivering some of the messages from how to be up. Okay. Well, you know, I didn't mean to steal the book's thunder, but no, let's no, no, uh... I love it. I mean it, it's so validating for me to hear you espouse things that that we say. But as a science writer, you know, I'm pretty darn sure of, of what I'm talking about. But on on the subject of are you going to be happy? Well my my late husband used to say if you want to be happy, think what you can do for somebody else. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be miserable, think what's owed to you. And I have a story in, in my book, and it has to do, it's a historical story. But you've heard of Napoleon Bonaparte. Of course. Yep. 
somewhere around the 1800s, he was the most powerful man in the world. He owned more territory. He had more money, more palaces, more women. I mean, all the goodies that the world has to offer. Money, power, fame, wealth, sex. He had it all. Contrast him to Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, she, with her vow of poverty, she, her earthly possessions, things that she really owned and could call her own were three cotton saris and the sandals on her feet. And her, her vow of, of poverty also meant that she would, uh, I'm going to use the expression that she used, eat the bread of the poor. She would eat what the poorest people in India were eating. Uh, she certainly, you know, since she owned nothing but the three saris and her sandals, you know, could you get a bigger contrast between Napoleon Bonaparte and Mother Teresa? Well, by coincidence, I happened to read biographies of both people in the same week. And at the end of the biography of Napoleon, it talks about he's writing in exile and he's looking back on his life. And he says, I can't count five happy days in my life. Hmm. Now, this is the man who had all the goodies that the world has to offer, one would think, at least all the material goodies, but certainly fame and power and sex. I mean, he had it all. It didn't make him happy. What about Mother Teresa? Worldly possessions, three saris and the sandals on her feet. She describes her life as a feast of unending joy. Wow. Now, one of these people was a taker. You know, all the stuff that he had, the power, fame, money, everything. He got it by taking it. On the other hand, everything that Mother Teresa did was about giving. Mm. So as my dear mother used to say, the takers of the world in the sense of, you know, grabbing from other people, the takers of the world are miserable. The givers are happy. That's beautifully said. I love that. But isn't, isn't that powerful? I look in my own life and, you know, when I'm feeling down uh, and I sort of look around my own mind and I think most often when I'm feeling down, it's because I'm expecting something. I'm owed something. On the other hand, I think the happiest that I am when, when just things are flowing and going nicely, it's usually about, well, in my case, it's, it's working on a charity that I care about, which is anti-human trafficking. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. And I do want to talk, we're, we're going to talk about that charity, of course, uh, and because I want to give time to it because it's so important. But I want to dip back into the book a little bit and not all 40. We, of course, we don't have time for that. But give us a few of your, of your favorite tips in the book to be up during these downtimes. Okay, one of them is, well, th this is kind of re relieving some stress that a lot of people I know have, which is 
they're worried that Alzheimer's is beginning. I, I talk with so many people who say, I can't remember names. I can't remember numbers. And this really came to the forefront for me when I was on a conversation. It was a conference call and it had to do with getting personal protection equipment. And there was an accountant on this conference call. And the question was, if you need a million masks and they come in units of 50, 50 masks per package, uh, how many packages do we need? And for an accountant, that's the easiest question in the whole world. I mean, it's, it doesn't get simpler than that. If you're an accountant, that's what you deal with all day long. Right. And she said, I'm afraid I'm getting Alzheimer's. That should be easy, but I can't do it. I, I'm in a fog. I can't do it. Well, oh, and then other people, well, I, I bet you've experienced yourself when recently that maybe the names don't come as quickly or the figures or whatever. And this is me as a science writer with reassurance. When your brain is flooded with stress hormones, you kind of raise stat down the higher mental functions and you might be able to run or fight, but to do a mathematical problem, it's just not in the cards if you're under enough stress. But the good news is when that stress is alleviated, the odds are extremely high that, that all your sharpness will come back. However, how do you get rid of some of that stress? I mean, you want your mind to be as good as possible. And so the advice that I have, and it comes from a number of scientists, but I'm going to personalize it by using my niece who runs a nursing home. She says one of the most important things that you can do when you're under stress and we are under stress. I mean, people that we care about are getting sick. There's financial stress. There's geopoliticals. I mean, we're, we're awash in stress. So the advice that my niece says is one of the most important things that you should be doing is give yourself an hour of doing something that creates respite. And another way of describing that is escapism. But she said, or, or I'm going to say right now, this is me speaking, not my niece, but I don't know what for you gives respite. I mean, I've heard people say that watching a James Bond movie, if they're really into James Bond, at that point, they're not worrying about, you know, that the world is crashing down. Or in my case, I absolutely love to go to YouTube and watch uh, animal movies, particularly rescues where they have happy endings. And at that point, I'm not thinking of what's stressing me. Other people, it's listening to music or working out like crazy so that you just can't think of anything else. Or maybe it's talking with your best friend or having a happy hour with uh, somebody with a romantic interest. But in one way or another, give yourself at least an hour of respite so that you can put yourself back together and give your whole body a rest. And, you know, I've, I've heard scientists say, but my niece particularly says, this is a medical necessity. If you're under stress, find something where you give yourself respite. I bet you agree. Well, not only do I agree, this is something that I actually speak to. It, it is very critical in, in any time that we engage in, in self-care. And that, that's the term we use in psychology. And self-care is different for everybody. For me, actually, it's cooking. I love cooking. And that's my zen. For other yeah, people... Can we explore some other ways? Because I'm, I'm almost collecting ways that people... Hey, absolutely. You know, for, for some people, it can be, like you said, watching a movie. Or it can be you know, 
you know, riding a bike. It can be, it can be anything, but it's something that gives you pleasure. It's something that you enjoy. And, and it doesn't matter if it's something as innocuous as watching Netflix. It doesn't have to be, you know, this, because what you enjoy in your mission or purpose, they, they don't, they often are, but they don't have to be connected. You have, you have, you derive great pleasure, obviously, from raising money for your charity to stop child trafficking. But that doesn't mean that that's, you're going to do something specifically related to that for R&R, right? Like, so. No, actually, I kind of remember, uh, my personal recommendation is something that's immersive so that you're not thinking of the rest of mm-hmm. the responsibilities. I mean, I, I'm, I'm into real genuine escapism, except we'll call it respite. And we should, we, we should be, you know, and whether that's, whether that's a movie or whether that's uh, a game on our phone or just something that breaks that cycle. Yeah. Um, you know, an, another thing, you know, I, don't, I don't know if this is in your book, but uh, I, a tip that I give everybody when I, when I speak on stages about this or virtually now is don't watch the news. Don't watch the news. Is it in the book? That is in the book. <laughs> okay, let me tell you a story about that. And I, I hope this is new to you. It's inside information that I have, having worked in television for eight years. I worked for the CBS affiliate in Sacramento. And eventually my show was syndicated. So, you know, I hung out with a lot of people in television, but I learned the following. There was a million dollar study done for the television industry of what keeps people tuned in. And yeah, the results were, I felt terrible, but but here's what the results are. Sex and violence. Actually, uh, I did it the wrong way around. Violence and then sex. You may hate what you're watching, but if you're watching, yeah, you can't take your eyes off of it. Uh, When that happens, and they they have, I, I took it to be a really interesting way of determining this. The correlation between are your palms sweating? Are your, is your heart rate going faster? You know, all the things that a lie detector would pick up when, when you're under stress, and particularly the palm sweating, when that's going on, you don't turn the channel. You hate what you're watching, but you're glued. You, you, you're, I guess we're wired to, to pay attention to things that are threatening. So television has a bias, not for good news, not for things that are going to relax and make you feel great. Now, you know, to their business model depends on eyes glued on that screen. Correct. So I don't think the news is psychologically healthy even. And so I recommend people putting themselves on a, on a news diet 15 minutes or less. I love the, the term news diet. The other thing that people don't realize, and the, maybe this is in your book too, is that because we are in a technological age, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't have a customized, personalized 24-hour information cycle, which isn't just news, but of course contains news. So you know, the algorithms of social media sites like Facebook or Instagram are designed for the same kind of purpose, right? Like everybody's selling advertising. And so there is a repetition of information that will bombard you on social media. So it's not even just, it, it's not even just a news diet that it, I would recommend taking that a step further. And if you have people in your social media feeds that are, you know, just keep retweeting 
you know, articles about how we're all going to die and how the world's going to be you know, destroyed and uh, the economy will never recover. I would very strongly suggest unfriending or un- at least unfollowing those people because that information is going to follow you. And these the algorithms of these social media sites know the more you click on certain things, the more they're going to push those kind of things in your face. And we really do need to get away from consistently negative information because that keeps us in a state of fear. And it's almost my religion to be up. Uh, if, if somebody's truly negative and I don't have a reason like I'm related to them to be forced to have them in my life, I run away. I mean, I don't want people to drag me down. I'm not as effective. I'm not, I can't give as much if I'm dodging the, the negativity. So I, I, but whether it's news or people, it's if you want to be my friend, uh, being negative isn't the magic key. Yes. Yes. Is that in the book too? Uh, actually, that isn't because I felt that was a little bit self-centered. <laughs> I, mean, I was joking a bit. I'm but... a lot self-centered, but I'll be honest. I mean, I'll be transparent with you. It's funny. I mean, we're joking about it, but it is true. And, and you know, this to, to go back to kind of part one of the discussion, you know, back to what Dale Carnegie said and other people like Zig Ziglar and say, so, you know, that people like Napoleon Hill as well. I mean, they they knew this in 1930 that the sphere of influence, the people that you surround yourself with, are going to be the primary determinant of who you are and how you show up in the world. So if you want to be negative, scared, and complain, hang out with four other people who have that mindset. If you want to have courage, optimism, and gratitude, hang out with four people who generally exude that, and that's how you'll be too. What wisdom they had. You know, I I get more and more impressed by, by how much wisdom our forebearers had. Because, I mean, at least in my experience, that what you just said is gospel. And it's interesting, you know, and I, I know we've gotten so far off topic, but it's great. The, you know, now we know from science, like, the, of course, you know, in 1924, we couldn't hook up real time diagnostic imaging to people's brains and see what parts of the brains light up when we do this and we do that. But they were so right on the money. They were so right on the money. And, you know, science has now validated those positions. But, you know, that, that wisdom has been there. And it's, it's truly, you know, you know, people talk about the secret. I mean, that's the secret. The secret is, you know, if, if people ask me, what's the one piece of advice you'd give above all else? You know, when I'm, when I'm on stage or on other podcasts, and I say just that, like, you know, you surround yourself with good and good will come to your life. And conversely, surround yourself with negative and that's what your experience will be. I figure anybody who attacks my self-confidence or brings me down, uh, you off my island. (laughs) Yeah, it it has to be that way. It has to be that way so that we can optimally be our best, our healthiest, our most vibrant and show up in the world the way that we're meant to show up in the world. By the way, I, I need to amend that though because if somebody's suffering and I can help, but then that doesn't bring me down. Uh, knowing, that I can, That's yeah, knowing that I can help is uh, a great feeling. 
Yes, indeed. So it's not that I rush away from people who are suffering. I, I think I'm rushing away from the complainers. That's exactly right. That's the distinction. Mitzi, we're getting close on time. Is there anything else, like one more magic secret from this book that, that you could share with us? Oh, let's see. Instead of one magic secret, let me tell you, just suspect more of what the book is about. I've given you things from my experience and that I wrote about, but there are actually three authors. There's Mark Victor Hansen and his stepson, Preston Weeks. And what you'll find in the book, there are 40 tips, and they're, they're tips just designed to be useful right now and not generally known. But we divide it into three parts. There's spirit, mind, and body. and You'll find some fabulous things from uh, Preston Weeks on on physical fitness. And then for the spiritual things, oh my, uh, nobody does better than Mark Victor Hansen. This is true. This is very true. Uh, and we're going to have a link to that book in the show notes so that everybody can can grab that. Oh, can I add something else about it that I, that I think our audience will enjoy? It's a $20 book. I mean, something with that much wisdom and uh, you know, a famous author, it's a $20 book. But Mark and Preston and I decided that we wanted it in the hands of as many people as possible because we wrote that book to be helpful. So we gave it the lowest price that Amazon would allow for a 100-page book. It's $4.85, and I think we're making almost nothing out of it. But we wrote it to be helpful. And you know, the feedback I get is that you know, there's so many people who write to me saying, this is what the world needs now. And then, of course, there's my Taiwan lady who bought 200 copies. Very cool. I, I love that you've done that. And I, and I hope that everybody listening to this picks that book up. Mitzi, before we transition towards our close, I do want you to talk about your charity. I know that's something that you're so passionate about. Share, us, uh, share with us the, the name of the charity, how people can get involved and in, in what their dollars are used for when they contribute to it. Okay, it's called winthisfight.org. And actually, our business model is, uh, in general, I mean, if somebody wants to contribute, great. but. It's a fundraising effort for many, many different anti-trafficking organizations. And the premise of it is we help people convert very high-value items into cash at no commission. And we put buyers and sellers together. And it's, alas, it's kind of on hold for the moment, although I'd love people to visit uh, winthisfight.org and, and see what it's all about. The fundraising part of it is... Uh, it's on hold until the financial world settles down a bit more. But the awareness raising part, if if there's anybody listening to us who can help me get my columns out, I write a weekly column and I interview different anti-trafficking organizations. Or if you want to join the four different organizations that are talking with me about doing a podcast on it, I'd sure love to hear from you. Standing. Outstanding. No, I'm not asking for money. Oh, I would love for you to sign up for the blog, though, because, gosh, the more the more readers, you know, the more people know about the problem and what they can do about it. Terrific. And, and the tell us the URL one more time. Okay, it is winthisfight.org. Outstanding. And if you forget and you write winthisfight.com, I own that, too. It'll get to me. <laughs> and, and by the way, I love answering emails. So... There's a contact form, and if, if 
if you want to contact me with any ideas or anything, just write to winthisfight.org. Perfect. And again, we'll have everything Mitzi Purdue in the show notes. Mitzi, this has been an, an episode, really two episodes, filled with so much wisdom. But as you know, I do ask my guests who come on the show a single question. That is, what is your biggest helping? That one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation? Something that's transformed my father's life, my mother's life, my late husband's life, and my life. I recommend that going back to the basics of Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Read it. Read, read even a chapter of it, and it will be so enlightening if you haven't read it already that you'll want to read the rest. I love it. I didn't think this would turn into a Dale Carnegie love fest, but I, I absolutely stand by everything Dale Carnegie's ever said and done because his books have been tried and true for 90 years. So great, great stuff. We'll probably put a link to that in the show notes as well. Mitzi, this has been fantastic having you on. Thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. It has been a pleasure to interview you. It's been pure joy and I'm so grateful. Thank you. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you as well who chose to tune in to listen to our conversation today. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because this is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 